This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Just about 6.08 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sherrod. And uh, as promised, it never ends. It never ends with this GE. Um, we've been covering it for a month prior to it happening. Uh, we're continuing now because there still isn't uh, a clear result as to who will be forming the next government. Yeah, and you know, it's um, a story that keeps giving, as they say. Uh, but it's not just at the federal level. We still have one uh, state government in play, as it were. We know Perlis. Uh, massively went for Parikatan, mm-hmm. uh, 14 to 1. I think Pakatan Harapan vote there in the Assembly of 15. Uh, we just have a new government in Perak sworn in at 5.30. So that's a BNPH government uh, at the state level. Uh, in Pahang, the Pakatan Harapan is the kingmaker and the two main contenders, Barsa National and Parikata National. So as we've been saying um I think it's a, it's kind of a group therapy session that's happening because a lot of confusion, a lot of frustration, maybe some happiness. Um, so far, I haven't spoken to anyone yet who is outright happy <laughs> with the results. But if that's you, we want to hear from you. In general, how are you feeling post-GE15? Um, what do you think is the best deal possible out of all the permutations at the moment? Uh, again, you can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Now, uh, before we head to our next guest, I wanted to look at some of of the uh, voice notes that we've been getting. Let's start with this one from... um, Let's start with this one from Shaji. I feel like my vote has no value at all. SDs have more value than the vote. So what's the point of having an election? Well, uh, you know, Shaji, I I do think that's... um, an overreaction. Uh, I don't mean to criticize, but I, I think what ha- what what's happening is that we're seeing uh, a, a second level of the game. We know that we vote in the government. I mean, rather, we don't vote in government. We vote in our MP. MPs are part of parties. The parties then have to negotiate if there's no outright winner. So, unfortunately, for a lot of people, and I think this is across the board, no one got the government they want through the par- the MP that they voted for. So. The the issue is that it's somewhat a technical one at this point. The SDs are being used, but uh, and you know we've just heard from uh, Thomas Fan of Bursay why they're not the best tool. Mm. And you know this country can develop uh, a new conventions and it can develop new practices that better reflect how we form a government in the face of a hung parliament, which happens in many democratic countries around the world. Just that it's a first time for us, right? Hence this sort of um, kind of feeling of concern or uncertainty. Uh, we do also have similarly feeling kind of disheartened, um, Azamin. To begin with, um, I feel like I've just been stunned. Uh, I voted against BN and now everybody else is talking about BN. Uh, that's one thing. Uh, I also voted uh, with the purpose that uh, we have uh, a government from non-BN to show that uh, people from other parties are able to govern as, just as well, uh, so that uh, in the future we would have fairer, uh, more balanced uh, competition. Uh, 
uh, which at the end of the day would, would benefit uh, us, the citizens. Okay. Uh, one thing, um, since everyone uh, could not get the majority, um, both sides are talking about BN, PH plus BN, BN plus uh, BN. Uh, but then, why not we cons- we seriously consider uh, PH and PN, Pakatan and Perikatan, work together? Uh, we used to have Barisan Alternative uh, that puts together DAP and PAS, and they work just fine. They, they, they managed to work out a truce uh, to work together. So why not uh, at this moment? Uh, it will be much, much better than uh, Pakatan Harapan uh, working with uh, Barisan National. Uh, personally, I am skeptic uh, on the ability or the the... the political will of Anwar Ibrahim to really put Zahid Hamidi on leash. Uh, we have sent Najib uh, to prison and uh, we are on the course of settling uh, the, the rest of cor- corruption cases, especially with Zahid Hamidi. So, I'm doubtful that Anwar Ibrahim can get that done. Azamin, thank you so much for that voice note. So I think the central question of, um, well, that idea, right, of the permutations and what it is we're talking about. Right. So going into these negotiations, because the two big contenders are PH and PN. And I think, Azamin, you're absolutely right. Why couldn't these these two come together in a block against what was first seen as the big enemy? The enemy was Barisan National, right? Uh, And you're right. There is that history, uh, past working with uh, DAP and PKR informing uh, Pakatan Raya. But if you look at Para, and this is where it could have happened as well, PN did expressly say they would never get into a coalition with PH. So Para has become a bit of a, a kind of ex, a point of experimentation with how our politics is. And I'm sure they're very happy about that. Well, I mean, they're leading. So you could say, well, you know, uh, you know what Para thinks of today, you know, Malaysia thinks of tomorrow. I mean, basically, Para has created the template for a new model of cooperative politics. It's not what you want, but that's where it's happened. And the blame, I think, equally on uh, at, laid at the, the feet of uh, Perikata National. We'll come back for more of your messages and voice notes. Thank you so much. Keep them coming through. We're asking, how are you feeling post-GE15? And regardless of who it was that you voted for, which party, which coalition, now that no one has that majority, what do you think is the best deal we can get at the moment? Call 7733-2900, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we'll be crossing over for a general... Political lay of the land um, with Shazwan Mustafa Kamal, Associate Director at Rians and Partners. Keep it here on the Evening Edition, BFM 89.9. Become fabulous millionaires. BFM 89.9. It is 6.16. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sherrod. Um, unpacking, looking at, examining the results and latest updates of GE15. Um, joining us now to talk about where things stand politically, because it's been a confusing couple of days, is Shazwan Mustafa Kamal, Associate Director at Vriens and Partners. Shazwan, as always, a pleasure to have you on with us. Hi there. Pleasure to be on board. Um... So, okay, uh, let's start with this. What is the latest that you've heard from the various parties? Um, I think like every everyone else, I've been furiously scrolling my timelines. <laughs> Twitter and social media. Um, so I was talking to, I think, um, several, um, you know, ex-colleagues. Um, I mean, 
what we do know is basically, um, you know, one, Prikatan claims to have the numbers to form uh, a government and they, by way of statutory declarations, um, and, 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 and that, and that makeup, you would have to include uh, Amno and Barisan National as well. Um, I think the anomaly here, what we don't know really is where Barisan National is at. Um, because on one hand, you had Zahid really just, um, I think, uh, it was uh, quite a scene actually having Pakatan Harapan uh, <laughs> um, in Sri Pacific alongside AMNO leaders, um, you know, and, and, and I think Zahid sort of uh, laying the laying the law of the land and basically emphasizing that he has the sort of right or mandate to decide on cooperation. But I think after that, you, you see Ismail Sabri making different comments, different AMNO leaders. It's clearly an AMNO that's very much divided, really. And I mean, there's a question as to how much uh, you know whether is is it going to be a decision that's going to be followed on block, or you know are are are, are MPs going to revolt from the party, and what are the consequences from that? I mean, we'll find out tomorrow. But I mean, I I, I personally wish that there was just a much more um, transparent way to sort of have this fleshed out, right? I mean, I think people, uh, there's some arguments that actually you should just convene an emergency parliament sitting, just have everyone lay down their cards and vote for your prime minister of choice, right? And then the king can then decide on on, for, on, on who has the, who commands the majority and then you have a government, right? Um, uh, I, I see that while we've progressed from, you know, matters of hopping, uh, the use of statutory declarations, uh, you know, cloak and dagger negotiations is still commonplace. Um, I think that's quite disconcerting and concerning just because it creates an additional layer of tension and uncertainty that that really just makes you feel like as a person who voted you feel like you're being put on ransom right like hey it's not what i bought for, this one i voted for right um take it back but um i think we have little choice but to um i think bear with this in the next one or two days uh, Shazwan, we also have a trouble in GPS. GPS coming into the election was seen as the kingmaker. And I think they thought uh, it as much when they made the announcement they were going with Perkata National. But now that, you know, uh, Zayed has denied that he had made a deal with GPS or Perikatan, and also you have internal criticisms in uh, the in GPS from the component parties about this choice, especially in backing a very strong and resurgent past coming into uh, government if it was led by do you think the 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 algorithms that everything has changed now for the Borneo side of the story? I I do think so because I think there's a major difference between GPS supporting um, the previous government or even Muhyiddin's government versus the possibility of GPS being part of uh, Muhyiddin administration 2.0, right? Because I think the main difference is that PAS is a party that is doubly dominant. And on its own, it commands the largest number of seats in parliament, right? So you're no longer talking about a junior partner. In a Muhyiddin government, PAS is a senior partner. And, and I mean, no matter what, you know, uh, I think um, as, uh, assuages or, you know, assurances that are made that PAS will never, I mean, the, 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 the peninsula Malaya politics will never go over to Sabah and Sarawak, I find that hard to believe because every political party has ambitions. You know, today PAS has 40, what, 44, 46 seats, What's to stop them from, you know, uh, I, I think the concern is that PAS might, you know, PAS might have ambitions towards, uh, you know, Borneo. And I mean, they've tried this before, even during their time as uh, um, as being part of Pakatan Raya in the Shawas State election. So, I mean, it's, it's not unfathomable, unfathomable. And I think 
that's something that GPS has to wrestle with, right? I, I mean, nation, <laughs> nation above self, right? Is it a, I mean, um, understandably, there are issues with working at Pakatan Harapan, but ultimately, are there even bigger issues down the line if you work at Perikatan? I mean, and I just like to add for Amno, I think strategically, although they, I, I, as personal view, they might be comfortable working with Perikatan just because of familiarity and also narrative wise, it's much easier to convince them than Pakatan. But I mean, in the end of the day, you're working with a part, you know, parties that basically absorb your vote share and basically will wipe you out if I mean, if you if you just if you don't take a chance to reflect and sort of like rebuild um, uh, on your support base, because ultimately what Pakatan doesn't have is from this election is the Malay vote share, right? And that's that that that's something that I think was split between um, PAS, um, uh, you know, Bersatu and you know Amno to a large extent, especially in the Malay heartland. So it's it's a matter of, I think, long-term survival for UMNO, you know, versus uh, politics of expedience. Nothing is a popular choice at this moment in time, it looks like, especially within parties themselves. There's a lot of internal resistance. Uh, Johor Amno is saying no to cooperation with DAP, never mind the calls for Zaid Hamidi to step down. Uh, GPS coalition partners are criticising uh, Abang Joe for cooperation with PAS. How do you think these will be resolved? Um, re- resolved? <laughs> I think it's going to be... I mean, if it does come... I don't think it's going to be resolved. It's a painful process, right? So... I think Amno, for instance, whichever way they go, whichever way they decide, because I don't trust, I mean, I, I won't believe anything until it's final, right? So, I mean, until tomorrow, until or whenever, you know, um, these issues will have to, for Amno, they'll have to, these issues will likely drag on and will likely facilitate, actually, um, you know, the, 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 the probably an earlier date to its internal party elections, just because I think no matter, everything said and done, no matter what happens, um, Zahid's head is on the chopping block. Um, and I think, uh, and similarly for other parties, they will have to take the time to so be able to assuage not only their not only the, the members within their party but also their core supporters. Like I, I, this is not a problem that's only you know limited to Amno GPS. Even Pakatan, they're gonna have to explain how one vote for Anwar doesn't mean a vote for Zahid and all that stuff that's coming on social media, right? So I mean, it's going to be very difficult, very painful, um, very tiring. But I think, you know, babe, uh, I mean, whoever said democracy was a painless process, maybe, I mean, got it wrong. <laughs> um, but, but, but the silver lining in all of this is that if you can find, I think if any co- any coalition partners can find common ground in, in order to work as a government, then I think there's something that can you, you can build off on. And I, I mean, we've seen this. Uh, you know, vaguely uh, in the form of the CSA during Ismail Sabri's previous tenure, right? Whatever it is, there were some reforms that got passed through. I mean, I mean, now we see the same, I think, probably happening in Bera, Pahang. So, I mean, we're ushering in, I, I guess, a, a new age. I mean, the, the, the time, I guess, you know, the, the, the challenge is having to look beyond um, party politics, you know, personalities and issues because every party spends so much time demonizing the other party, <laughs> you're in a situation where <laughs> you got to work with the devil you know really and I, and I 
I yeah. mean, and that's going to be a challenge, yeah. Right. So at 5.30, we in fact have uh, Menteri Besar sworn in for Pera. It's a Barisan national uh, 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 politician, uh, the former Menteri Besar. Uh, and of course, uh, neither Barisan national nor PH that supports it uh, won, were the biggest winners uh, on Saturday. I do want to ask you that before we get into this, Anwar in his press conference uh, today called you know this possible tie-up between PH and BN a unity government. It's not a Pakatan Harapan government, it's a unity government. What do you make of that rhetoric? I think he was very... I, I think Anwar has been quite careful with his words. Um, you know, you, you've, I think a lot of people were expecting Pakatan to make, you know, some comments after Muhyiddin sort of like implied that he had the support yesterday. And I think today's statement showed that I think he is wording it extremely carefully to be able to manage expectations and also manage the the idea that I think if you're going to get Amno's support also, you have to sort of like, the narrative has to be clear that it can't be, I mean, it is going to be, I mean, with Amno, with the number of seats Amno has versus Pakatan, right? It's going to be, they are going to be essentially a junior partner within that coalition, if that is, a, you know, that government. But ultimately, um, Anwar, Anwar, I think, is taking through taking through great lengths to emphasize that um, all partners are equal um, and, and trying to basically, I think, denote the fact that you know, if BN will not be junior partners, um, they will have equal representation on the table. So I think that's why he's being very careful as well, um, as opposed to you know, I think Prikatan is quite clear. They want they they're saying that it's a Prikatan national government, right? Any parties that join with it will be junior partners. They they made no qualms about that. So it was reported that the stock market, the ringgit, took a hit today um, and that has been very closely tied up with the prevailing uncertainty. Uh, what do you think makes investors jittery? <laughs> I think the same thing that makes everyone else jittery. <laughs> but in a nutshell, I think uncertainty, right? I mean, I mean the idea that, that you know, the idea that I think, um, you know, various facets of, the, of you know, um, nation building you're talking about policies you know, some investors have have interest in you know policy making some have investments and you know and and, and etc and these are all obviously at some point a level tied to the political stakeholders that are in charge right because some political stakeholders might have different views of certain investments as opposed to others um you know whilst discussions happen most often not on the civil service level you do need political buy-in so i mean we've seen in some instances where, you know, investments are derailed or delayed just because of a change of government, right? So, I mean, investors don't like this, this uncertainty. I mean, they, I think there's a there's a common reference to Malaysia's story pre-2018, and that was like stability just because two-party system, very, very, you know who's the government, who's the opposition, and you know how to, you know how to work within that landscape. But we are not there anymore. We have, I believe, evolved. It's interesting times, and I think we have to get used to the fact that instability or fluidity is the you know norm. And we're likely—I I would even go on record as to say that I think we've, we we might not last one election cycle. We might have shorter elections, um, just because that's how it's going to be like. We have a minute left, uh, Shazwan. Uh, I don't know if you're a betting man, but what would you say? We will go on the limb. What do you think is likely to happen uh, by tomorrow? <laughs> oh man, Sharad. <laughs> I think you're putting me on the spot there. I'm not a betting man, but but you know I'm a pessimist. Um, I think I mean on a personal level, I'd like to explore the idea of a PHBN government, right? Just because that it makes things very interesting. Um, 
but I believe we are going to get a Perikata National. I, I, the pessimist in me uh, believes that we might get a Perikata National government just because I, you know, I'm, just because of the dissent uh, within Barisan National, um, and 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 that might very well be the likelihood. And the fact that they submitted the names earlier, so I don't know. Um, it's all up in the air. But I mean, I, I, I that might be. I mean, that might be the case. Um, but I, I, I could be wrong. Let's see. Shazwan, thanks so much for speaking with us. Thank you for having me. That was Shazwan Mustafa Kamal, Associate Director at Briands and Partners, giving us a, a kind of helping us really understand the political situation as it is at 6.29pm on the 21st of November. Who knows where things will be in a couple of hours or in 12 hours. But uh, we have been asking you, how are you feeling post-GE15? And regardless of who you voted for, what is the best deal you think we can get at the moment? What is the configuration you want to see? Call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Keep it here on the Evening Edition, BFM eighty nine point nine. Beyond frivolous matters, BFM eighty nine point nine, the Business Station. It is 6.49. You are listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sherrod. Uh, we're continuing our look at the results of GE15. Also, as we wait for the final, I think, announcement really of who's going to make the government. Uh, joining us now, though, is William Case, Professor and Head of the School of Politics, History and International Relations at the University of Nottingham, Malaysia. William, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. Thank you very much. So you once described Malaysia as a, and I quote, pseudo-democracy. Um, have events since the 2018 general election changed your views? Um, pseudo-democracy was probably uh, one of the terms that I used. Uh, I have a better one now. Uh, and I've been calling Malaysia uh, a single-party dominant system. And, and I think that's probably more accurate, and I think it's probably more scientific, and it's something that uh, Malaysia worked with for about 44 years, uh, if, you're, if you're keeping count. And uh, basically what that meant, I guess, was that uh, a single party was able to fuse with uh, the state apparatus, the bureaucracy. It was able to gain control over the business community and certainly over the imagination of, uh, of its followings. And in consequence, was able to use elections and essentially to uh, persist in office for a very long time. Um, so that was single-party dominance, and that's uh, what uh, Malaysia came to be um, accustomed to. And as I say, it did last for a very long time until suddenly it didn't. So how would I, uh, how would I describe Malaysia today? Um, and so, well, we had an electoral turnover, right? That was in uh, 2018. That was GE14. And uh, that was an astonishing outcome and something largely brought about, I guess, by this amassment of patronage in the, in the pockets of uh, um, the leading, the dominant party at the time, UMNO. Um, and so this caused Malays to split their vote, and in such a way that uh, Pakatan was able to peek through with a plurality. And so we appeared then to be embarking on something that was uh, much more democratic. And so the question after that last election really was, um, look, you know, can Malaysia now sustain this democratic transition? that it appears to have begun? And the answer was that, uh, no, it could not. And so uh, I, there are lots of reasons for that, too. But uh, essentially what it meant that uh, um, the government imploded, um, there were many defections, you know the story, basically. And so, uh, again, it came time ultimately for another election. So the question now, right, uh, for GE15 here in 2022, 
was whether, okay, since we can't have a full democracy uh, in Malaysia, can we then see the reinstitutionalization of a single-party dominant system? And so that's, that's what I was really uh, looking for um, in this election. Um, could UMNO recover um, the kind of uh, hegemony that it possessed for, for so very long? And UMNO thought that it could do that, and it felt that, uh, you know, it had won back its uh, popular followings. The Malays were returning to the fold. Um, they thought, too, that uh, they'd go up the track record of victory in a couple of state elections, so they went into this very confident. And, uh, again, ultimately the aspiration would have been to restore um, that single-party dominant system that UMNO had long enjoyed. But uh, that's not the way it looks today um, at all. Something very different has happened, obviously. And so you ask, is this a pseudo-democracy or is it a, a single-party dominant system? And the quick answer is, uh, you know, at the moment anyway, <laughs> for a variety of reasons that uh, we can tick off here, um, it looks a lot more democratic at the moment. Yeah, I wanted to uh, ask you about this. The, when 2018 happened, a lot of media around the world was saying um, that voting matters. They were saying the one thing that the Malaysian um, election system, skewed as it is, malapportionment aside, gerrymandering, yeah. that voting matters. Is that is is that a is that a fair uh, point to make that voting matters? Absolutely, yes, it is. Um, and and it's, it fits into this sort of ambiguous picture that, uh, that sort of describes uh, Malaysia's political regime. Sometimes we call it a single-party dominant system, not a single-party system, right? So opposition parties can contest, uh, and they can even win some seats, and they can uh, gain some, uh, some seats in parliament, although usually not so much as to form a new government. So it's a, it's, it's a complex um, kind of uh, and very balanced regime form. Uh, but one that, uh, to a certain extent, respects civil liberties, doesn't extinguish them, um, heavily manipulates elections, but still allows some competitiveness. And that is, uh, you know, the kind of regime framework that this country operated with for, uh, for a very long time. But it's, again, very much changed today. And um, many of the uh, controls of the manipulations have ceased, been removed, or simply don't work in the way that they were designed to do. Uh, they don't favor UMNO in the way that they once did. You mentioned the uh, malapportionment and the gerrymandering and lots of other things that went along with that. But uh, they seem not to have brought uh, uh, the UMNO-led bodies on any particular advantage in this last election. If anything, they favored other parties. So you can look down the list here of all the sorts of tricks and manipulations, I guess, that uh, UMNO would have used in the past. Uh, and this time they were either ineffective or, or backfired. Now, you've been observing uh, Malaysia's political scene for decades. Did the results, uh, as they came in on Sunday morning, surprise you, or were they really just an extension of the fault lines we've been seeing show up? Um, I, was, I was quite surprised. I was surprised, and then as the day went on, um, if I may say, I, I don't want to betray my preferences here, but uh, somewhat uh, disappointed. But, but I, I had been predicting, as Omno itself had been predicting, that it would uh, perform handsomely in this election, and one of the reasons I thought that was because ordinary Malays would have remembered um, their behaviors at the time of uh, 2018. They would seek to impose more discipline on their voting in this election, you know, in order to avoid splitting the Malay vote. They would vote in a much more concerted fashion. Omno, um, I thought, would be the beneficiary of this and in consequence would be uplifted and at least partially restored 
um, to the kind of uh, to the kind of hegemony that it once uh, that it once possessed. So you could tell as as we got closer to election day that um, UMNO was making uh, mistakes, and they had gone into this way overconfident. Um, it was some of the strategizing um, was uh, was um, inadequate. And in consequence, you could feel that the momentum was slipping away and uh, seemed then to be um, falling into the hands of Betty Cotton. It was, it was very noticeable. And that uh, many people began to say that, look, you know, Petty Cotton is, uh, you, well, look, you know, you can uh, have the, the pro Malay positioning, you can have the uh, increased commitments to Islamization, and you can avoid at the same time all the corruption. So it seemed to better capture the imaginations of uh, many voters, particularly first-time voters, and we're told um, young voters, right? Uh, those uh, those in the 18 to 20-year-old um, cohort. So at that level, yes, I was uh, was quite surprised. And then there appeared to be yet another surprise here at the end, when all of a sudden, Anwar um, Ibrahim seemed to regain his animal spirits and was campaigning with a, a whole new level of uh, commitment and effectiveness. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden it became imaginable that uh, Pakistan was going to be uplifted again. Yeah, Kate, uh, William, can I, can I just jump in there? We have about a minute left. Yeah. So we want to ask you, when you look at the coalition, the government formation, what is likely, uh, what is likely to be stable and sustainable, at least in the medium term? Um, that, that, that's a tough one. Uh, but I'm guessing, uh, it, well, the way it looks, uh, we've seen the voter preferences. How do you best represent them and bring them together and, and maintain some level of contentment for, for a period of time? Well, I think probably that uh, Petty Katan passing the lead, um, Bersato taking a back seat, bringing in the requisite parties from uh, Saba. I think that's probably what's going to happen, and that would be uh, most stable. Certainly there will be some frictions amongst uh, these groups, and uh, we can expect also, I think, that uh, the parties in, in, uh, in East Malaysia are going to take full advantage of this and will press very hard for increased autonomy. But uh, I do think that that would probably bring um, the most in the way of stability, although I'll just say this too and then I'll, and I'll stop. <laughs> I do worry that uh, Bersatu, during its last period in office, having discovered the patronage value of the government-linked corporations, may try to exploit and make use of them again, in which case we, we might begin to see some of that old-time fusion between uh, the, the party and the state apparatuses and a recreation of the kind of single-party dominance, not in the hands of UMNO this time, but in the hands of Perikata. I can readily imagine uh, um, past following along on this as well. So it'll be... Uh, this could bring about stability, but I can also see it um, dipping more deeply um, into a kind of authoritarian role. William, thanks for speaking with us today. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. I thank you very much. That was William Case, professor and head of the School for Politics, School of Politics, History and International Relations at the University of Nottingham, Malaysia. Uh, we do have to head to the news. Keep those thoughts coming, though, and keep it here on BFM 89.9. Business. Finance. 
and music. BFM 89.9. It is 7.08. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sherrod. And we've been asking you, um, you know, it's it's not an easy question for times that are also kind of uneasy. How are you feeling post-GE15? And regardless of who you voted for, what is the best configuration you think we can get at the moment? Now, just to say that both our guests in the 6 o'clock hour kind of call that they think it is going to perhaps um, be Paikata National that forms the next government. And I, I bring that up not for anything, um, but just because we are getting a lot of messages coming through that are riding on the assumption that uh, Pakatan Harapan has secured the numbers that they need. And um, and we just don't know. We don't know yet. Yeah, we don't know yet. It's still, I mean, we follow process. Uh, then, you know, we will have to wait for two o'clock tomorrow when all the the SDs, the statutory declarations are in. And then, of course, it also depends on how the palace de- deals with the, those statutory de- declarations. Uh, but, but more importantly, I don't want to come back to the 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 calls by our two analysts, they, they are not without consequence. So William Case, uh, who, who was the last guest, you know, spoke about what is likely to happen in terms of the long-term future of Malaysia if Perikatan National comes to power, especially in reverting to an older authoritarian configuration with regard to politics. Um, and I, but also, and, I, and this I think also addresses some of the questions that are coming through, is he did underscore what was underscored in 2018, that voting does matter. Voting changed uh, a system that lasted for 70 years and and was the great disruptor in 2018. If people didn't vote in the numbers they did with the feelings they had about the massive corruption in Barisan National in 2018, we wouldn't have a chance to break away from that pattern that had been set for 70 years. So, um, to the messages, before we get to the voice notes, there are a few interesting ones that have come in. Let's start with this from Shazwan, uh, who says, I am both an ardent supporter and critic of Pakatan Harapan, but working with BN leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I disagree. And I think that if Malaysia isn't ready for Pakatan to get a majority, then Malaysia isn't ready for the idea of reform. So Pakatan Harapan and those who believe in their ideals need to do more groundwork and educating, but that is just me. I will reserve my judgment on a possible Pakatan Harapan Barisan National Unity Government till I see the cabinet lineup. Yeah, the cabinet lineup is going to be interesting, especially because Pakatan Harapan came into this election promising um, a pared down cabinet, a small, nimble cabinet, something we haven't seen in a long time because uh, Parikatan, as well as the government of uh, Ismail Sabri, uh, gave the nation an extraordinarily bloated cabinet. there were pop, there's a popular consensus that many of the people in cabinet were incompetent. Uh, it must be noted that some of them are remnants from the Pakatan Harapan administration. So, you know, uh, you know, nobody goes untainted in the discussion of cabinets, competence and the ability to deliver for the Malaysian public. So uh, Prabha, who's from PJ, says, Interesting times indeed. We're a bit late to the multi-partite arrangement game. If we look around, uh, forget Singapore, but elsewhere, to the likes of South Korea, maybe. Uh, the UK, India, Japan have all been at this for eons. If the Premier is out of line, then a simple vote of no confidence switches the board. Nothing to worry. Indeed, interesting times. Yeah, so is this called a teachable moment or a teaching moment? What is the expression, Lynn? It's a, uh, yeah, both, both work, work I think. Work, work, okay. Mm. So this is it. In the life of the nation, we've reached that 
point where we all have to examine the system that we were bequeathed, that has been, in fact, in many ways tweaked over the, the last 70 years or so, and, and ask ourselves, you know, what do we want going forward and how do we, beyond the, the, the electoral college, which is all those who have been elected now, uh, we too can continue to change the country in ways that we think are important if we band together and, you know, and civil society is not something we are talking about today. You know, a couple of years ago, civil society was everything because through Basse, we, uh, you know, civil society was the leading voice in the quest for change, right? And the quest of readjustment of how politics operated. So I, I don't think the game is up. And I, you know, I, I think, you know, when Lynn last week on Friday, we dealt with disappointment. We said, look, you know, this was the likely Sharad, it's scenario. all it's all well and good to talk about it before it happens. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's very different once no, things I, have I happened. I think we need to bring uh, Paul Jamanathan back again, <laughs> you know, our resident psychologist, to 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 help us uh, uh, go through our feelings, to process our feelings. It's true. I felt better when Paul was here. <laughs> Without him, I'm a bit adrift. Uh, we have a voice note that's come in, making a an interesting point from Fayette. Hi guys. Uh, so, given the current political climate, I think the my preferred option would actually to see a minority government, but that's that's rarely done, um, even in certain mature democracy. Um, re- realistically, I'm looking at the possible combination of uh, BH and BN. I think that might be the most viable option right now. If I look at it from the perspective of, you know, national power theory, if we look at the perspective of, you know, economic security, societal, military, environmental, and also political security, then if you give 10 points for each segment, in my opinion, I think PH and BN would have better leadership in comparison to PN and their possible coalition. Um, to be honest with you, the way I see things is that I try to judge folks based on what sort of white paper they've produced and we as Malaysians, we need to hold them accountable to produce this white paper because policymakers should make policies. If you do not have any form of white paper on any form of securities, then I don't think you are fit to govern. Because otherwise, anybody could just create an anecdote and try to make sense in the given moment. So we need policymakers to be held accountable, to be a professional in the ministry they are trying to work in, because otherwise it would just be anybody that can take that position. Fire, I think that's very interesting. Uh, I... it's your perspective is interesting and in that you come at from a policy point of view. It's not something I think most of us uh, uh, come to in, in talking about the decisions. We often, it's loyalty, it's personality, it's faith in a particular individual to deliver. Uh, you know, we're not looking at the fine details, but that's exactly where at least uh, a larger group of Malaysians have to be uh, you know, they have to start focus on those kinds of things as well. It, we need to get beyond loyalty and faith in individuals. Well, uh, on that, we do have people talking about essentially this question of whether this is an opportunity to 
bridge divides uh, simply because you actually now have to try to make it work, right? Um, so, for example, uh, we have this from... Let me see the name. Uh, Ting, who says, I see the current scenario to be one way of healing the ethnic divide in the country. Both Pakatan Harapan and BN need to persuade their supporters that the political reality consists of shades of grey, which has been distorted more often than not by the polarising narratives of politicians. There are good people on both sides, but the challenge is how to form a team that can direct our nation towards a better future. Yeah, so we look at Para. Para had its uh, Mantri sworn in, uh, coming from the smallest of three parties that uh, from the election, uh, supported by uh, Pakatan Harapan. There again, the, can you imagine the rhetoric? Then working together now, uh, the, the rhetoric of uh, ethnic suspicion will have to be dampened down by necessity to give that coalition legitimacy. Will it have a... Um, uh, you know, a kind of salutary effect across the nation. You know, uh, just to, I, I'm kind of reusing an old expression, you know, with reference to India. But per, what Para thinks today, you know, Malaysia thinks tomorrow. Para is leading the way. In fact, even in the choosing of this government, the formation of the government, you see the, the conduct of the, of the palace, you know, very smooth, without rancor, without, a, you know, any sense of politicking on the part of the palace. It's all about board. Uh, it's very interesting to see what's going to happen in Para in the coming years. We have more voice notes and messages to get to. Keep them coming. We're asking you how you're feeling. And... Based on where things are, what do you think is the best configuration moving forward? Uh, you can call us, double seven double three two nine hundred. send a voice note or WhatsApp, 018-789-8899, and tweet us at BFM Radio. Because freedom matters. BFM 89.9. It is 7.19. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sherrod. We have, of course, been talking about GE15 as we wait for... A decision to to be a consensus to be arrived at in terms of who is actually going to make up the government. Um, so we've been asking you how you're feeling as well as what you think is the most ideal configuration out of this. Uh, we do have more thoughts coming through. Let's start off uh, with this side of things on this one from Raja. I would like to respond to Hadi who was saying about the principles about PH are working together with Barisan National. See, before Pakatan Harapan um, teamed up with Tun Mahade, whom they have been um, against for decades, right? And accepted him to represent them and become prime minister. So if they can do that, why can't they accept Barisan National? I don't see any difference there. And my opinion, why... Um, PN do not want to work with PH is because then Mohidin won't be prime minister. So I personally feel uh, Mohidin has a personal agenda why they, he doesn't want to accept PH. And I look forward actually to this PH and BN if it happens because you get to see uh, close friends Rafizi and KJ working together and Anwar working together with Tokmat. I mean, we should try and give it a chance and see how it goes. I also personally feel that an individual should not be supporting any uh, political party biasly, if you know what I mean. Um, if the party doesn't bring any positivity to yourself or the nation, then I think you have the right to uh, choose a party that fits you or think that can uh, bring you 
development to you know to to the rug yet and although if i voted ph now doesn't mean that i'm going to vote for them in the future uh, kj says he wants to reform bn if i see uh, a better future in bn i would vote for vn Raja, thanks so much for that message. Um, I, I think particularly that last part, right, this idea of not being a party absolutist is one that is very much a theme that undercuts our whole conversation today because in this period where compromise is the name of the game and you're going to have to work with people that, again, you had previously demonised but that you also kind of secretly have previously worked together and hope that everyone else had forgotten that that had happened, um, it is interesting to talk about what we mean when we feel an allegiance to its a party and how that shifts. Yeah, I think Rajesh is kind of interesting in this. He says, well, you know, the, the party doesn't deliver, I'll change the next time around. The prob- there is a problem, though. The, among our choices might be uh, parties with very authoritarian tendencies. And because the state uh, hasn't been reformed and made you know, more democratic, who of the contenders is likely to use repressive measures, use the massive power of the state to return us to an authoritarian past that we've, in fact, escaped? That is, I think, one of the things. And that, and, and, and that, when that happens, what is going to happen is that our choices will be limited in the future, that we will not be... So it won't be so easy to change, uh, you know, governments because... The democratic system is not firmly in place in the country as yet. So uh, Patrick has an interesting point, saying formation of alliances and parties is essentially a simplified way of delivering the common objectives of individual MPs, so both policy-making and governing objectives. The alliances should present that to the Rakyat if they now want to form new alliances and be specific about them, not just the big picture of stability and economic development. And this is actually reflective. Uh, We can respond to this, but there was also another point that came in of, um, well, if if whoever gets into bed with whoever whose manifesto are we going to see being taken up? Yeah, there's also, you know, Malaysia has been presented over the last three years, three, four years, with, in fact, three different administrations and their values, not as espoused, but as practiced. So there you can see, you saw 22 months of Pakatan Harapan. What did they do with parliament? What kind of reforms did they institute? What did Perikatan under the leadership of Muhyiddin Yassin do? We know that parliament was shuttered for long periods, right? And and then we have Ismail Sabri. What was he able to do? Why was he, uh, as a leader, willing to bring, uh, you know, the opposition ranks through a, a confidence supply agreement? What does it say about his values or the values of Amno as he represented at that point in time? So we actually have, in a very short period of time, uh, not just lip service to all these ideals, but actual practice in which to measure these contenders as they try to uh, vie for political power now. We also have, um, well, actually, just because we, we've been kind of dooming and glooming for, well, we've been attempting to talk about how it doesn't have to be doom and gloom, but I think it's it's a fine line that we walk, Sharad. Um, we have some others, uh, you know, presenting a different point of view. Kamarun Nizam says, I'm feeling amused with all the trolls and posting today really making my day. Uh, Kinwai says, how I feel about GE15, seeing old names lose, some even losing their deposit, um, no prizes there for guessing who they mean, uh, feels good enough for me. Overall, GE has always been about the lesser of many evils. Whoever has 
less poo-poo on them will get fewer complaints from me. Wenjo says, post-GE15 feels like Game of Thrones. I can't wait for the next episode. So some people taking a light attack. Yeah, but perhaps, and I think one should never lose one's a sense of humor, even in the face of you know a serious repression. the 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 question, of course, is that uh, these are very serious matters because the the of the multiple crises the government is sorry the country is in, and it's not simply about who governs; it's really about the economy, it's about healthcare, it's about the state of our education. And all those are determining the future, the future of wages, the, the future of job opportunities. So, yeah, um, you know, I keep your sense of humor, but I think the next couple of days are probably very crucial in terms of getting competent leadership into government. Let's whiplash back to seriousness because Faisal <laughs> says um, I stand firm with the BN's no ANWA, no DAP policy but as much as I want BN to, co- um, to collaborate with PN I doubt that the competencies of PN leaders with PAS holding the majority in the cabinet to drive us out of the expected 2023 economic rece- recession. Uh, Faisal from Sepang. Yeah, so I think Faisal you know, puts a, his finger on the, the competence, right? Competence is so important. And cabinet cannot be a way of distributing uh, largesse, a patronage, uh, you know, titles for people uh, who will do essentially nothing, you know, take leave and lose weight, as I think one minister did very famously. can we put this kind of misuse of power behind us? I know a lot of Malaysians that will not tolerate this, but our political culture among po- political parties hasn't kept up with, I think, the demands and aspirations of the, the, the general public. They want people who can solve problems, not people who will strut around, you know, and, and lord it over others because now they are, you know, titled minister or deputy minister of something or other. We do also have uh, this voice note that has come in from uh, Hamidi. I feel hopeful with the prospect of Barisan National forming government uh, with Pakatan Harapan for two simple reasons, despite all the chaos and confusion. Uh, number one, because uh, it is an instruction from the rakyat, right? There is no party with outright majority. So the, 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 the group, the political group, need to find a way to work with each other. So, so I mean, that's clear. But more importantly, right, we have seen it working in the past. Uh, the MOU between Pakatan Harapan and Ismail Sabri uh, administration uh, brings so much benefit to the rakyat, right? It gives us stability in a sense that uh, somebody from PN cannot simply withdraw their support uh, from, from, BN, uh, from the BN Prime Minister. And also, it gives us political will that this party might not have uh, if they need to do it alone, like for example, the anti-hopping law. So I'm very optimistic with the prospect of BN and Pakatan Harapan coalition. Uh, I, I just hope that uh, this can be done as soon as possible. Yeah, I think we all live in hope that you know the next uh, government that comes in will actually be focused on the con- con- the deep concerns and deep structural problems of the country. Uh, well, that and um, also that we're going to come to a conclusion of some kind soon, right? Because yeah. Okay. Well, there's that too. I mean, th- that's just I mean, the very basic great. fact of that. I mean, it's great for media. I mean, the endless drama. <laughs> uh, uh, but I think you know uh, sometimes the media also uh, misdirects us. I mean, I. I I think at the end of the day, Lynn, you know, we're going to be having these conversations with our friends, people we love about our preferences. And I think some of them is going to get heated. So uh, I think we're going to have to have Paul back in the studio. Really? 
We're going to be continuing this conversation tomorrow across the station, definitely on our show. Um, so just to say that the palace had earlier issued uh, the deadline of 2pm, right, today to submit the, the names of who is being supported as Prime Minister. Uh, that has been moved to 2pm tomorrow, so expect updates then and probably well before as well. In the meantime, we do have to head to the 7.30 News. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.